Hello and welcome to First Issue Club Podcast. We've got a doozy for you today. BBs, it's the 14th episode and this is First Issue Club, the weekly comic book podcast where we discuss the most hype number one issues each week and age you through the muddy and murky waters of the comic book landscape. Mike, can you run down the books we're going to be talking about today? I sure can, Mike D. This week we got Sword of Ages out on IDW. We got Mystic U out on DC. And we got Jonathan Wickamus, the John of Wicks, out on Dynamite. John Wick, number one. So who do we have in the club today? And since we're covering John Wick, which is a movie but now a comic book, what movie would you guys like to see turned into a comic book? Mike DeStacy, um, I think The Shining. Like, Ooh, I would love, I would love yeah. other tales of the hotel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This is Budget King, and I'd like to see a Mrs. Doubtfire Predator crossover. <laughs> Okay, I'm into that. <laughs> cool answer. Because uh, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Predator. Hello. <laughs> yep. Oh. All right. Uh, this is Greg Lichtai, and I would like to see more tales from the Fifth Element movie. The world was already so dynamic and colorful. I think uh, they could only expand upon it more. It's crazy that Fifth Element doesn't have any follow-up stuff. It doesn't. Mm. Is it just Babylon Five? Babylon 5 isn't a spinoff of... What? Is it? What? <laughs> what is that? That's Star Trek, isn't it? That would yeah. blow my mind right now. Are you trolling me right now? <laughs> I've never seen Babylon 5. <laughs> I haven't either. My name is Caitlin Morosik, and uh, mine would be Hitchhiker's Guide. Okay, that galaxy. would be a good comic book. Is that not a comic? Uh, no, it's already in just regular book. Like, it was already that before it became a movie, but then... I knew that, yeah. But have they not, like... I don't think so. If it exists, I would like to know about it. Okay. That definitely seems like something that should have been adapted to comic books it does a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. yeah. How do they miss There's that? There's so many yeah. different stories we, and arcs. Yeah. You're totally right. Maybe Adam Douglas didn't want it to. He yeah. has, I know he has other stuff Douglas on, Adams. On Douglas Adams. Sorry, I said in the phone book version. How <laughs> <laughs> his name appears in the yeah, phone he's book. Always, of course. Greg, Greg is always looking him up in the phone book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still did. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know he has a book on um, IDW, or Oni actually. Really? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, but it's not. It's not. Not a, Hitchhiker's it's Guide. It's not Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. It doesn't. I like anything. Uh, word to our listeners: If these comics actually do exist, <laughs> please tell us on Twitter. <laughs> yep. First issue club at twitter.com. We're on other social medias as well. We're on Facebook and Instagram. F I R S T First Issue Club. Boom, boom. Let's get this podcast started. <laughs> All right, we got Sword of Ages out on IDW, written by Gabriel Rodriguez, who wrote Lock and Key. And if you didn't know that he wrote Lock and Key, IDW is going to make sure as fuck that you do know it because it's <laughs> everywhere. This guy, he didn't write it, sorry. He illustrated Lock and Key, and this is his first uh, book that he is writing. I don't know if that's solo. true. Yep. So, solo, yep. Because he co-wrote, but... Okay, yeah. He co-wrote Lock and Key. And he's doing the illustration, and he's writing this, and that's a gargantuan task oh for anything. Oh my gosh. Um, and it's a pretty beautiful book. Anyway, Sword of Ages stars our main character, Avalon. It's the Jungle Book, guys. It's, <laughs> it's Mobley. She's being raised by uh, saber-toothed tigers, though, in this instance. And essentially, she's going to realize her destiny 
in her off hours of being raised by saber-toothed tigers, she trains with a uh, ghoulish uh, old man that rides a motorcycle, and basically she's going to go find her uh, destiny and become the true fighter and the swordsman on this planet. That may not sound much for a book, but this whole book is an incredible map. It's a world-building book. There is insane stuff happening on this book. Let me name some of the things that happen on here. There are slave traders that are guerrillas. There are a series of swordsmen who uh, are basically trying to find themselves and just being the best swordsmen they can. People ride dinosaurs. There's talking animals. There's technology, but people still fight with swords. And there's magic. A lot of shit going on here, but a lot of fun also happening. So here's, here's my question to you. Here we have kind of a traditional story of the chosen one or like the expert who's going to like now realize their destiny Mm -hmm. do you i'm also reading a fantasy book that does this and i feel like this is a big fantasy trope do you relate with like chosen one neo type of like stories like the matrix like one person to save the world or what's your thoughts on that i totally do i grew up watching star wars and i think most little boys at least that watch star wars just are thinking i'm luke skywalker at yeah. some point, something bigger is going to open up in my life. And I'm going to be super fucking important. Yeah. Uh, but mostly we're all just Jar Jar Binks. I love... It's <laughs> true. <Yeah. laughs> or, or a droid. Yeah. I, but I, I love stories like this that just kind of... You, you follow a character on their journey, and then they have some self-realization and grow into this thing that's larger than life. I, yeah. think, I think if you I think if you say you're, you're not one of those people who put yourself in the character's place in a story like this, you're lying to everyone <laughs> in the room. Yeah. But what does that say about you, though? Like, it's like, does, so everybody has this internal voice that says, you matter. One day, you, you will find your true destiny. Is that dumb to think that we all think we have a higher purpose? Yeah, man. I'm an, I'm the only nihilist here, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we are nothing. We mean nothing. I don't know. I so I'm not as interested in that storyline, but I like the ensemble and the world building aspect of this because you don't. She's got a, or maybe Merlin, the guy with the motorcycle, has a bird that is also part of their crew, talking and fighting and stuff. And I don't know. I, I it's kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy, for me. Like. Yeah, I like the ensemble. I don't like the that there's just this one person who has it all fall on them at the end of the day, and if they can't do it, everyone's you're, screwed. You're totally right. This this book is way more than just her, um, but like, yeah, and and in fact, what's <clears throat> I love the second panel of this book, just showing how awesome she is. She has uh, she's a child, and she has ruthlessly stabbed a giant ass bear in the eye, yeah, and is covered in blood with her saber tooth uh, family, yeah. And, and then she wears that bear's face on her back for the rest of the issue. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty sick. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if this should make it in now, but like she's more John Wick. Than, <laughs> than oh, than John Wick uh, which week. we will cover later. Well, and so <laughs> this was one of Rodriguez's choices that I think was phenomenal. He could have done the whole. She was raised by animals. She's going to be naive. She's going to be shy and maybe feeble when she's introduced to new elements that she hasn't lived with or been taught. And she's, like, brazen. She's unflinching. When she introduces herself, it's this, like, bravado that comes out of her that's like, this is what I've done. This is who I am. She's talking to other accomplished sword fighters. And yet she's like, listen to this. 
it, get to know me. <laughs> it is the second to last page, and she says, I'll just read it. I mean, I didn't make it. Uh, I'm Avalon, daughter of the tigers of the mountain forest, raised by fang and claw, hun- a hunter of cave bears and tundra wolves, trained by the white monks of Calidia, the priestess of the carved temples, the jugulars of Thoralia, and some of the most miserable human tribes this world has ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's, I loved it. I loved that she wasn't just like, oh, show me your fork and I'll make up a weird name for it, like Little Mermaid style. Like, she's just <laughs> like, uh, I'm encountering new things, but I know I can take on anything and I'm not. It yeah. was, it was cool. What about g- genre bending? So this is both fantasy and sci-fi. Um, and it, Arthurian? Th- yeah. Yeah. And and, Arthur? And, yeah. And also like the time periods are a little like. Bending as well, like when they use technology and when they choose not to. Yeah. How does that work for you? That is kind of like a confusing thing that happens with fantasy books or sci-fi books. Like you get these like characters that wear like these wristbands that have all this technology and yet they are battling with like middle-aged swords. Medieval. <laughs> Medieval. Thank you. That's <laughs> middle-aged. Middle yeah, that was <laughs> middle-aged women are battling. <laughs> oh... My army of middle-aged women. <laughs> Attack, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, that fantasy trope of middle-aged women armies is just uh, tired. Played out. Yeah. Susans and Karens unite. <laughs> um, but moving on. I'll say we know that this is like a a universal type story, or it could potentially be at some point. Mm-hmm. So we've landed on this planet that maybe it's getting a little bit of technology here and there from other worlds, but these people aren't capable of getting off-world. So Mm -hmm. I think the dynamic of their world is, like, super interesting and limiting enough to the fact that it's hard to get places and sets up a lot of room for conflict in that aspect of it. So I love the environment that this book's set in. I think it's really cool. kind of feels dystopian future, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, you know, we don't know how these people got to where they are. He did a really good setup on this thing. Totally did. I want to make sure our listeners know that I think we all loved reading this book. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there's a lot going on. It was a fun book to read and to an extent easy to to absorb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, I definitely want more. College. All right, the next book we're going to do is Mystic U, short for Mystic University. It's a number one issue. It's on DC Comics. Alyssa Quitney and Mike Norton are responsible for the words and art in this book. So let's get into Mystic U. It takes some of DC Comics' magical-type characters and reimagines them as freshmen in a university for the magically inclined. Uh, All the students show up for class and immediately encounter some mysterious situations, which as the reader were a little bit privy to already, thanks to this prologue the book starts with, features Zatanna, who's kind of our main character in this book, and she's exploring a university that looks like it's just been devastated by something. She finds a friend who survived, and the two use the last of their powers to reset time back to the first day of freshman year. Um, So we just hope things go differently this time around, I guess. Um, Worth mentioning that at least Zatanna doesn't appear to have a recollection of the events that are to become in her future budget king. This book starts with the lead character literally sending her dad into hell at the mercy and jaws 
and tentacles of demons. Is that something that stuck out to you for any reason? <laughs> mm. Sending a father figure to hell is tempting. My own father, I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but stepfather sending to hell? I could be down with that. <laughs> Intrigued? Maybe. Yes. Give me those powers, please. <laughs> Zatanna. Uh, yeah, I like demons and I like punishing people who deserve it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Death. Death. Uh, I'll say despite my age, I guess, I'm still a sucker for um, high school and college type dramas. But there's enough stories about schools for the supernaturally inclined that I think we can safely consider that its own subgenre. Did this first issue do enough for you guys to set this apart as something unique? No. no. Okay. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. It, yeah. Like, it, this is a fun teen book. I, I think that what we're not saying about this book, and you did a fucking great job explaining this book. This book is long. It's so long. It has chapters, and it, it's, it's a lot to read. Yep. I think if you suspend yourself from that and you're like, it was a little bit of a cluster at times, it's really fun. Why, if you learn magic, do you have to go to fucking school? Oh, my <laughs> God. When I was reading this, I was just like, oh, so this is a DC Harry Potter. Right. I, yeah. I, I don't get it. It, yeah. was, it. it seemed like a perfect mix between The Magicians, yeah. which is a Lev Grossman book and a show on Sci-Fi Channel, and Harry Potter. We're getting, we're getting these older adult characters that are reimagined for this particular scenario. I think it sits outside of the other DC universe of Mm -hmm. stories because we've got characters that pre-exist as DC entities that in this book are an Indian kid, where before it was like a white guy. Oh. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of first appearances in this book. That's why, so in the cover, it looks like a white guy. Did you guys think that too? I was like, did they just whitewash that character in the cover? Oh. He does not look the same. He's very clearly Indian in the book. Yes. Yes. Um, I thought that there was an interesting element of the professors thinking that this malevolence, this apocalypse is going to be started by one of the students. There, There's going to be like some sleuthing that happens that will have to be kind of subtle. So there's a coming downfall to this university mm-hmm. and... It seems that the faculty and staff are aware of it, and the, and the kids are not. So somehow, they have knowledge of what's going to happen in the future, and maybe the timeline has reset several times? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was a cool thing with this blob guy. Yeah, I was going to talk about that, yeah, too. Yeah, what did you think? No, oh, well, uh, I like that instead of destroying this creature that's actually innocent and harmless, they take the time to listen to it, and it becomes a student. And they think he eats the kid with the fedora. Yeah, yeah, but he just ran away. Totally fine with kid. This is what I love. Kid with fedora in the end. This is a spoiler. He has a kid rock poster. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's a douchebag. And if you listen to kid rock, you're also a douchebag. Did they name him Plop? They named him Plop. And he's tied to this character named Pia, who I think may have created him in some way. So she's got this power. Contributed, definitely. Yeah, she's got this power that, like, heals things. And it creates this weird oozy gel. And her oozy gel goes through the pipes of the Mm -hmm. bathroom and ends up in this basement where it drips out and lands on this thing that turns into this being. And they seem like 
telekinetically connected yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. Plop yep. is what stand, makes this book stand out. Yeah, it's I, a really interesting thing. I agree. Yep. yep. Feels like dupe to me, if you're familiar yeah. with X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. little green Slimer guy. Um, but yeah, I love the last panel of this book has like this whole cast of characters mm-hmm. and plops back there. Uh, so plop might be, this might be a plop first appearance. This is a plop first appearance. <laughs> Pia, Pia and plop are brand new characters. Uh, keep these books in mint condition. Yes. So, Why the fuck is magic spelled with a CK in this book? I was yeah. going to ask that. It sometimes is. I mean, outside of this book. Is, is that it? a British way of spelling magic that I'm not aware of? Adding you to shit? Usually it's like, okay, usually it's when you say magicking or so, like you kind of make up a new word with magic as the root is when I see it. But I it, it didn't throw me as much, but it is. Okay. If it has a K, it's beyond simple parlor magic. Yeah, it's a little pretentious uh, if it has a K. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is a three-part series. There will be two more books in this, and I think they come out every other month. So you can expect in... February, Mm. January, for another book to come out. Yeah. So now we're going to do a new segment called A Couple of Thoughts with Caitlin Morosik and Greg Liktai. (laughs) And on today's segment, we're going to cover John Wick by Dynamite. You call him Jonathan Wickamus? Is that what you call him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan Wickamus, if you're nasty. <laughs> Boo, Yaga. Boo, Yaga. Uh, Jonathan Wick was created by Derek Colstand, uh, but this comic was written by Greg Pak, art by Giovanni Valletta, uh, colors by David Curiel and In Light Studios, uh, letters by Tom. Napolitano. Getting into the weeds with the credits. (laughs) Edited by Anthony Marquis. And that's everybody. (laughs) So in this book, we meet John in El Paso, Texas. He's tracking down an old foe, Pecos. But then he is going to be picking up a new partner in Charon. Is that how we would say that? I don't want to call him Charon or Sharon. It's a man. probably right. Uh, he, it looks like John is going to be taking on a Russian organization and possibly getting inducted into an organization called the Continental. It, this book was a, so we really hyped this one. Really hyped it. We were really looking forward to this book coming out. It kept getting pushed back week, week by week. Uh, so we were getting more and more, uh, amped up for it. Um, for me, in all honesty, it didn't quite deliver on the way that I wanted it to. I don't think the John Wick movies really translates to comics all that well. That could just be me, though. I think it could have. Agreed. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll redact that, and I'll say exactly what you're about to say. <laughs> I would have loved... It. I feel like this book could have been such an easy win, and I would have loved it if there were literally no words Yes. And it was just a, a whole issue of John Wick killing people. And then the next one, let's get into the story, but like, let's have him like kill 50 people by the end of this book. John Wick is a fucking masterpiece of a movie. Oh, it's so good. Anybody that walks out of that movie and doesn't love it, they don't have eyes, they don't have a heart. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and the second one almost equally is good. And if you ask anybody what makes that movie good and what redeemed Keanu Reeves' whole career, it's killing shit tons of people. 
It doesn't fucking happen in this book. No. And the people he does kill, he does it in the most boring way possible. Yeah. He he just throws a gun at, at one person's head. Just throws it. Yeah. Shoots someone in the foot. Like that. I. This isn't the John Wick we know and love. John Wick is the definition of a cult favorite movie, right? People who like that movie love it. So what do you do? You don't just rehash the plots. Like the plot points. Almost kill a cat. Uh, like... Get him like really so angry that he like comes back and starts killing people. You give us some backstory. You give us, or you give us some like extra story. Where does this book happen in the timeline of John Wick? Do you guys know? No. I kind of think it's supposed to happen after the second movie because he's being invited back to that organization that he's kicked out of for like breaking code. And one thing that bothers me is that he's so easily welcomed back that they're just like hey want to be back in the thing we kicked you out of and like everyone like we put a like bounty out for you and everyone on earth was trying to kill you and then it's just like boom I'm back and now it's like uh boom you're back because you did a guy a solid and killed one of these bills Mm -hmm. which like I hated that this group that was after him was the three bills Mm -hmm. it was like Buffalo Bill Pecos Bill Mm -hmm. and then just Bill was the last one just Bill was it? Yeah. <laughs> just some guy named so Bill. Hi, I'm I, just Bill. So I think I think the black guy that, <laughs> he, that he joins is the Lance Riddick character. Okay, yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. Is, is that true? So I, he's, I think so. So he knows him. He's helped him in both of the, the movies before. Yep. Previously. I didn't... It, if this movie was in between John Wick 1 and John Wick 2, it wouldn't... I don't think it would have mattered. There's not a lot of bearing that happens mm-hmm. here. No. I also thought the tipping point was going to be that they killed a cat. And it made him mad. It, like, looked like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cat didn't die. Honestly, I was like, fine, give me the cheesiness. If For those of you who haven't seen the movie, the tipping point for him in the first movie is that his dog gets killed. And then he... he unleash, Loses it. Unleashes fury. Maybe they just kept delaying it just because they knew that it was just going to tank. <laughs> They're like, Aww. well, if we push it back enough. The fu- Do you guys feel like anything that's ever uh, adapted from anything else... Ever ends up being good. Yes. The Drive comic was actually kind of fun. Was it? Mm-hmm. There was a Drive comic? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Hmm. Yeah, neither did I. Um, I oh, f- you know what is good? And, and Dynamite does it and promotes it in this book. Uh, Red Rising is a, a very popular fantasy uh, oh, yeah. or sci-fi book. Mm-hmm. And they do uh, the, the prequel to it. But I do think that the, the writer is actually writing on it. And it's really good. I feel like what happens with a lot of these books is that they take one of their writers who's already busy with some other shit, and they say, hey, man, do you want a few hundred bucks on the side to write a script for fucking John Wick? And he's just like, yeah, what? I can finish something that'll be fine, good enough, in like a day. But why not make it great? Like, if if it were Star Trek, or, I don't know, ALF, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> do you want to then change your answer to that is there the an elf comic <laughs> yeah, you would have <laughs> eaten the cat <laughs> uh, yeah. the the elf comic if it was set in the same story <laughs> that John Wick was elf would be breaking in windows and killing people <laughs> to get to the cat <laughs> which would then infuriate John Wick <laughs> yeah. kill more people and then you have your first amazing crossover John Wick and elf <laughs> Ver- versus elf yeah. yeah John Wick, John versus, Wick versus elf versus John Wick the elf, elf. 
Holy crap. <laughs> Dynamite, give us a call. <laughs> I'll do this script for free. They even get Keanu Reeves' bad, like, beard uh, growth. Like, it looks like Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. a yep. lot. Mm-hmm. One thing I respect about Marvel is, like, they don't, they haven't been completely adapting their characters to look like the movie stars. Yeah. Um, and they, and I think you guys were going to go into this, but it's like, honestly, maybe John Wick's not a good movie and it was just shot so fucking well and edited so well that it's like, it just needs to be a movie. It didn't need to be a comic. Yeah. I don't know. I get what you're saying. But I think everything's better as a comic. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. That's why we have this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was John Wick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And that was a couple takes oh, no. on John Wick. Oh. I mean, there's just so many books out there that do great action sequences in comic books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't know. one we read today. Yes. yes. I don't know. What, this one dropped the ball so hard. Well, so hard, in my opinion, just like it could have been five 10 million variant things. covers. It's not like they didn't know this book was going to be big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, anything that's a good enough story to take on somewhere else, there's going to be fans of this. Give them something that they're going to want to keep. Yeah, they're all right here. Do you think that it's because it's teen? Why is it teen? Oh, also? is it? Oh, teen, yeah. p- teen plus. Teen okay. plus. That means fucking murder. But you're right. But though. Do you the have plus to- is for murder. Yeah, this should be no teens. No, this should be I agree. fucking XXX rated. I don't rated know why it's teen. Anyway. What? 18, 19, <laughs> 20, <laughs> 33 teen. <laughs> All right. Fine. Maybe then, that's why, though. I mean, it, if they thought that was going to make them money, they have p- a poor business development part department as well. It's like they <laughs> just, is this like a second thought for them? Just like, eh. Yeah, I guess we'll do. People buy it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been First Issue Club. First Issue Club is recorded at KCUR Studios in Kansas City, is a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts, and our show is produced by Matt Hodap, and our music is courtesy of Primary Colors Music. If you find yourself with a spare extra time moment in this holiday season, go ahead and take yourself down to the comment section of of our podcast and give us a little uh, review, because we'd love it. And thank you very much. Yeah, don't forget, five stars. Five. Five stars! <laughs> five stars! Five stars? Five stars! <laughs> don't forget, five stars! Five, five, five stars! Five stars! Five stars! Don't forget, guys, five stars! Five stars stars! Five stars. Could I please have some five stars? Five stars. What's this up in my ass? It's five stars. What's this on the ground? Hey, look, it's five stars. How many stars are in there in the sky? 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 There's five. You can also follow us on Twitter, F-I-R-S-T, First Issue Club. Well, we've come to that time again. So long. Farewell. Avida, say tomorrow. <laughs> Are you crying? I'm crying. Are you crying right now? I'm a sad person. I've had so much fucking fun today. I'm just crying. <laughs> I'm Michael DeStacy. Bye bye, babies. <laughs> I'm Greg Lichtai, signing off. I'm Caitlin Morosic, and I'll show myself out. I'm Budget King. See ya. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>